This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. We are ready for the word of God. You ready to listen to the word? All right. Uh, Just a quick introduction. Uh, Now, we are kind of in between uh, a series of sorts where uh, we are doing a, um, we've been doing a bunch of standalone messages, uh, which will kind of come to a close next week with Father's Day. And, um, and, and today I want to kind of share the second installment of the faith uh, message that I did two weeks ago. Uh, we had Sammy preaching last week, what a powerful time in the presence of God. And uh, today I, I, I intend to close that out. And next week we, uh, we also have a standalone message after which we'll begin studying the book of Matthew on the, the weekend after Father's Day. So it's going to be amazing. Uh, here's what I want to encourage you with, okay? Uh, the way we study the word here at Commission is we study it expositionally, so we study the word, we break it down verse by verse, we study what the context of the verse, what God is speaking to us in this season in our lives. So, uh, and I believe that the gospel according to Matthew is a timely word and a sermon series for us as a church in this season. So I pray that you will come prepared and you will start reading the book of Matthew, all right? I'm giving you two weeks notice so you don't come and say, what? I didn't know. All right, so start reading the book of Matthew. It's going to be fun. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a good journey that we go through and study the, the word of God in a, in a very detailed way as we go about worshiping God through the studying of the word of God. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 7 uh, is my first passage of scripture, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to it because you're not going to ha- find the verses on the screen. Uh, I want you to follow with me as I read, and then we're also going to go to Mark chapter 10. So if you're already at Luke chapter 7, uh, put, your, put a finger there, put a bookmark there. Uh, if, if you're on your phones, I can't help you with that. Uh, go to Mark chapter 10 as well, and pause over there as well for me, and we're going to go to Mark 10 after that. So uh, we're, we're going to kind of parallel two stories in the Bible, and we're going to talk about faith. I'm going to title my message, The Power of Faith, The Power of Faith. Uh, in Luke chapter 7, there's this account of a woman that God calls very loved. And in Mark chapter 10, there is a story of a man that God says, you are made whole. Uh, In Luke chapter 7, verse 36, I want to read this passage. Uh, Go with me. One of the Pharisees, and read along as I read, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Uh, They asked Jesus to eat with him, so he had an invitation to dinner. So he went to his house. He reclined at the table. They were relaxing. And as they reclined at the table, a woman of the city who was a sinner, that's what she was called, that's what she was, her title was, that's what she was known by, when she learned that he was reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster, alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with his tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Therefore, I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, underline that word, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Okay, I'm sorry, Uh, I have to 
I, I did this in the first service too. We're taking a break over there. So verse 39, we're going to pause there. We're not going to read verse 40. We're going to jump to verse 47. I should have mentioned that. So I'm going to go back and read it again, all right? Verse 47, therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. For he who is forgiven little loves little, verse 48. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Underline that phrase, your faith has saved you. Faith does things. And one of the things that faith does is it saves. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. We're going to just juxtapose this passage in contrast to the passage that we just read. And this is what the Bible says about this man called Bartimaeus. And as he, Jesus, was leaving Jericho with his disciples and with a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man and saying to him, Take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up, came to Jesus, and Jesus said to him, Why? What, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, recover my sight. Let me recover my sight. Verse 52. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this moment. God, would you give me the strength to take this word and break it down in a way that is understandable, in a way that we can comprehend? Holy Spirit, would you give me the ability to explain this passage and this message the way you explained it to me? And I pray, God, that you will open up the hearts of people to receive from you today. And I pray, God, that you will breathe into us and you will breathe life into us. We thank you and we praise you. All glory and honor be unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about faith today. Uh, faith is crucial. Faith is important. Uh, I'm going to revisit this, this verse, but two weeks ago when we were talking about Jesus on the, uh, on the water with his disciples, uh, the disciples were freaking out. Uh, the faith was jolted, and Jesus, recognizing that, looked at them and said, E of little faith. Faith is important in the Christian walk. The Christian walk is made up of faith. You and I become Christians, and we become followers of Jesus Christ because of the decision that we make, the conscious decision that we make to follow Jesus. When we confess with our mouth and we, we, we believe in Jesus, we get into a relationship. We walk into a relationship with Christ. Uh, that's usually how that relationship goes. Faith is very crucial and important in the Christian's walk. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, the Bible actually says, without faith it is impossible to please God. That's what the Bible says. And whoever would draw near to God must believe that he even exists. And he rewards those who seek him. He rewards those who seek him. Somebody say rewards. We're going to talk about that today. The reward of faith. The reward of faith. The power of faith and how that connects to the reward of faith. Do not believe for one second if somebody tells you that your faith is not rewarded, that God does not reward you for your faith. God does reward you for your faith. 
God is a rewarder of faith. God is a rewarder of people that stand in the midst of adversity and, and, and believe, that believe against all odds. When circumstances are against you, when the odds are stacked up against you, when you and I uh, believe in Jesus and trust in Jesus, I believe in my heart that Jesus honors that. I believe that God honors that. Faith, what is faith? A lot of y'all may ask, what is faith? Like, I'm pretty sure you've heard umpteen messages about faith. All your Christian walk, you've probably heard pastors and preachers preach about what faith is. And you've probably heard him go into Hebrews 11 and talk about what faith is and break that verse down. But in essence, this is what faith is. Faith is believing in God and what God has said over your life. Faith is believing in God and God's word over your life. Faith is being persuaded of God's faithfulness and love over your life. Faith is putting into action every single thing that you believe in and saying, God has the best interest in my mind and I have faith in my heart to propel me forward in my Christian walk. See, it's one thing to believe in God and it's another thing to believe in his character. There's more power when you believe in the character of God because when you, when you believe in the character of somebody, your faith and trust goes on that somebody. It's hard to, to put your trust in somebody that you don't have a personal relationship with. It's hard to trust somebody that you're not close with. I still remember my little daughter, Michaela. Uh, she's, six year old, she's six years old now, but around the two-year mark when I first took her to the swimming pool, to introduce her to the swimming pool, uh, she, was, she was walking, she was running around, and she saw a little boy jumping from, uh, from, from the pool deck into the pool. And she said, man, if that's fun, I'm going to do that. And I saw her almost jumping without my help. And, and, and Marky, she doesn't know how to swim. She doesn't know how to float. None of this stuff. And I saw her jumping. And I said, Mickey! I call her Mickey. I said, Mickey, stop! She's like, what? And I said, you can't jump. She's like, why? He jumped. I said, just because he jumps, you can't jump. She said, why? I said, because you don't know how to swim. She said, what swim? I said, <laughs> I said, exactly. I said, exactly. I said, here's what I'm going to do. If you want to jump, you can jump. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna reposition myself in a point of safety where you can jump into my arms. Now, for a two-year-old, that's not cool. That's not cool because that boy that was older and that knew how to swim, which she doesn't know, right? She, he did it without daddy's help, so I wanna do it without daddy's help. I said, Mickey, trust me, you want me to help you, okay. So she jumps and I hold her. It wasn't thrilling enough for her. It did not give her a rush of excitement that she hoped she would get. So she said, I don't want you to hold me, Dada. I want to jump. No, she threw a tantrum. And I said, Mickey, you're, good. you're making an embarrassment out of me. I'm your daddy. I know what's best for you. No, I want to jump by myself. So she said, I said, you know what? You're going to learn today. You're going to learn today. You said, if you want to jump, you're going to jump. And, and this is what I did. I stepped back and I said, go ahead and jump. The smile on her face, the excitement on her face. But I knew I was going to catch her as soon as she fell into the water. But I wanted to give her a taste. I wanted to give her a taste of what the water felt inside of those nostrils. When it went up the mouth. Oh, come on. When that chlorine goes up. You, anybody been there before? Yeah. So she jumped right in. And all I saw was a frantic Michaela, and I popped her out of the water because I knew what was coming, and I was right there in time to pop her out. But the little bit of water she took in, she was completely scarred from. She was, <laughs> I bring her into the, you know, I was like, you're fine, you, trust me, you're okay. <laughs> She's hyperventilating at this point, okay, hyperventilating. And I looked at her and said, what did I tell you? You know, parents, you know what I'm talking about, right? The, I told you so moment. So it brought me great joy. She's like, she's wondering what kind of demonic spirit I have. I'm smiling in her pain. And she's like gasping for breath. And I looked at her and said, I told you so. So I said, let's do this again. 
but I'm gonna catch you this time. No, 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 I don't wanna do it. I'm scared, I can't do this anymore. So she went months without wanting to jump into the water. She wouldn't even want to be anywhere near the water. A week ago, we took her back to the pool and this time she wanted to jump again, but this time she looked at me and said, Dada, will you hold me? I said, you sure? You're six years old. You can jump yourself. She said, no, Dad, no. I want you to hold me. She's, she's not yet learned swimming and she can't float as yet. So she knows that she wants the thrill of it, but she still wants me to make, sur- make sure that she does not sink. She would not jump. She will not jump if she doesn't know that I'm right there next to her to pick her up. But what she said to me a few, a few days ago, when we went to, a week ago when we went to the pool is what struck me and what, what stayed with me for a long time. I looked at her and, and she said, Dad, I, I love this so much. And I said, Mickey, you're not scared anymore? She said, no, Dad. She, she said, no, I'm not scared. I said, why are you not scared anymore? She said, because you're there to hold me. I said, really? And she said, and, and I looked at her and said, what if I let go? What, what if I just walk away and I don't, I don't hold you? She said, Dad, I know you. You won't do that to me. I said, wow! More than the kisses she gives me on my cheek, more than the hugs, more than all the love that she can shower on me. That day, I felt so loved. I felt loved more than I have ever felt in my life when my daughter looked at me and said, because I trust you. That feeling is unmatched, y'all. And when Hebrews 11 says, without faith it is impossible to please God, You have to understand how much faith and trust is important to God. I will never understand it unless you're a father, and you will never understand it unless you're a father, but but when you put yourself in that situation, you gotta understand that being persuaded of God's faithfulness, being persuaded of God's love, that God will never leave you, that he will never forsake you, that in your worst of times, in the most craziest of your situations, God is wanting you and, and, and yearning for you to trust in him and to hold on to him and know that he will not let you sink. See, it's one thing to believe in God, and it's another thing to believe in his character. It's one thing for Michaela to know that he had a, she has a dad, and she has a dad that she can trust. See, a lot of people have a skewed notion of God's fatherhood, but when you and I understood the true nature of God's fatherhood, you and I will, tr- will begin to understand that when we understand the character of God, you will start saying, because I know you, God. You're a God that never fails. You're a God that says, I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You don't trust in God anymore. You trust in the character of God, who he says he is, rather than just the existence of God. The moment you elevate yourself from just trusting in the personhood of God to trusting in the person, not just the understanding of God, but the person of God. I know this God. I understand this God. I know that he has the best. Oh, things start to change. Things start to change. Because Jesus says in John 20 and verse 29, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Y'all, if, if you only live by what you can see, that's not faith. There's no blessing attached to that. The Bible is clear. It says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. What that tells me is there's a blessing associated with those that say, I don't need to see it to believe it. Some faithful, some brave, some bold, some audacious Christians and believers that can stand in the middle of adversity and say, I don't see it in front of my eyes, but faith tells me to take a step. Faith tells me to believe against all odds. If you only live by what you see, church, that's not faith. That's not being a Christian. That's not being a believer. You're, 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 
you, your decision should be one of, God, you know what? It doesn't matter even if I don't see it. I don't, I don't need to see the deliverance. I don't need to see the breakthrough. I'm gonna trust and I'm gonna believe nonetheless. Faith is the eye to see the impossible. Jesus talks about this. He talks about three different kinds of faith in the Bible. In Mark chapter, four, in Mark chapter four, he talks about the people with no faith. He says, you people of no faith. I believe there are none like that over here. I believe that if you're here, I believe that you have faith. For some of us, it's faith that's dormant. For some of us, it's faith that's not activated. It's faith that you have not tapped into. But I believe that if you have a, savior, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have faith in your hearts. The second kind of faith that Jesus talks about is people of little faith. We talked about that two weeks ago. The people in the boat. In Matthew chapter eight and verse 26, the, the, the faith that comes in and out, that, that, that little faith, the word used in Greek, is a short burst of faith. It's like a balloon that you actually blow into and you release and it goes the, where, where, you have faith on Sunday morning, it's like, oh brother, you preach that word, I got faith, I got faith. And Wednesday you're like, pastor, you just need to pray for me, I'm like depleted, I'm, I'm out, I have no more gas left, I just need, I need, I need strength, I need prayers. For some of us, it's that kind of faith. And then there's the third kind of faith where Jesus calls this, she, she, he actually calls two people this. Two people only got this distinction, okay? The honors, Matthew chapter eight and verse 20, 10, there's a story of the centurion that goes up to Jesus and his faith, Jesus looks at him and says, you man, you have great faith. This man has great faith, megas faith. That's what the word is used. The word in Greek is megas, which is great faith. Can I be honest with you? I am looking forward to a church which is full of people with megas faith, with great faith, not little faith. No, like we, we have no space for people with no, no faith. Those are lukewarm Christians. We need people, like this city needs a church with, 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 with great faith. A church that, that has faith that overflows. A church that has faith that is abundant. A, faith that, a church that has faith that is mature. I want to remind someone today that, that, that faith still pleases God, that faith moves God, that faith still releases miracles, that faith changes situations, that faith opens doors that are closed, that faith can still move mountains. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, the Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm gonna break that down in just a second, but here's the thing. See, if you're not careful, you will live your whole life just hoping and hoping and hoping. Hoping is different from having faith. I need someone to understand this. Just because you hope, it doesn't mean you have faith attached to it. Faith moves you from hope to action. Faith is an action word. It takes hope and it adds action to it. It says, man, you're hoping in all these things, but we gotta take hope and make something out of it. We gotta make something meaningful out of it. Oh man, I hope my marriage turns out okay. I hope my marriage is gonna work out. Fam, faith tells you you need to go to counseling. Faith tells you that you need to go and get help. Faith says that you need to go and get, you know, go, go and talk, talk to pastor about it. Go, go and pray with somebody about it. That's what faith tells you. You're hoping for reconciliation in a relationship with a friend. Faith tells you go and apologize to them. Uh-oh. Faith tells you, go and do something about it. Pick up the phone and give them a call. Send them a text message. Send them an email. Initiate a conversation. Hope tells you, man, I just hope I get involved in this church at some point in time. Faith tells you, go through a growth track. Come on, somebody. Last week to register. Don't just sit back and say, oh, man, I just feel like isolated. I don't feel community. No, just get plugged in. 
come early, leave late. These are parts that I don't get amens in. <laughs> Faith tells you, hey, let me go and do something. No one wants to talk to me. No, go and talk to everybody that you see. Hey, what, what, what lunch plans? Go, go into that plans. Make plans with them. Faith propels into motion things that I hope to get married one day. Faith tells you, go and ask someone out. That's what faith asks you to do. The Living Bible says, Hebrews 11.1 1 is this, faith is the confident assurance. This is good. Faith is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. This is good, y'all. There's this hope, but there is this action involved with it, and there's this belief that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is going to happen. The certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. That's what the Living Bible says, and that's a beautiful verse. Faith is the confident assurance. How many of you believe in things and you're like, man, I'm, I'm sure this is gonna happen. I, I know this, this, the odds are stacked up against me. I know that you know, people think that I, it's not possible. I, it, pro- probably my family thinks it's not possible. Probably I think it's not possible, but you know, something inside of me is propelling me to take this step of faith and believe and trust in God and say with confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. The certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us even though we cannot see it ahead. There are two stories that we read in the Bible. And in both the stories, Jesus concludes the stories by saying, your faith has saved you. Faith does things, y'all. It's not a, oh, God has planted, and don't just sit back and say, oh, at the end of the day, God's will will be done. I just don't need to do anything about it. It's true, God's will will be done, but God is still looking for some people to initiate some things in faith, to take some bold steps, to say some bold things to shout out over other people when, when other people are t- trying to, to diminish you, trying to put you down, to fill you with negativity, faith will tell you, believe. Faith will tell you, scream out his name. Mm. Both the stories, the same word is used, sozo, which means saved. What was it that saved them? Because there are a lot of things going on for these guys. For the man, uh, so, so for the woman, it could have been her love. Man, love could, I, you know, the, the, was it her love? Man, Luke chapter seven, she's known as a great sinner. That's what people knew her by. But she comes to be, you know what Jesus calls her? Jesus calls her as the one who loved much. Jesus doesn't say that about any, he says that about this woman that everybody else calls a great sinner. He looks and says, she's a great lover. <sighs> that could have been enough. But no, that's not what saves her. Her action showed it, right? She brings her, she wipes her hair, wipes her, his feet with, his, with her hair. She washes his, his feet with her tears. He, she kisses his feet with her mouth. And Jesus says, she has done everything to love, like the embodiment of love. Jesus, who is the embodiment of love, gives her this glowing, this glowing recommendation, this glowing endorsement. And he doesn't say, man, your love saved you. He said, even though you know how to love, it's your faith that saved you. Come on. There's something about faith that trumps love. There's something about faith that trumps generosity. There's something about faith that trumps service and servitude and, and all these things that you do on the side. There's something about faith that God looks at and says, I can respect that. I'm just getting started. It wasn't her love. 
What about her repentance? Because she weeps so many tears that she's capable of washing his feet with the tears. That's how much she's repentant. She knows she's a sinner. She knows the gravity of her sin and the weight of her sin is weighing her down and the decisions that she's made in her life have probably been horrendous and it probably breaks her heart to the point where she's crying out tears but still Jesus doesn't say your repentance saved you. Jesus says your faith has saved you. Mm. I'm not taking repentance out of the equation of being right with God, but I'm just saying that faith is so much more bigger, y'all. Because we can be those, those Christians, those believers that say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry, and then go back to doing the same thing over and over and over again. But faith gives you the ability to trust in the character of God that is far more supreme, that is far more, that's far more beautiful. Holy Spirit, help me explain this. But Jesus doesn't say your repentance saved you. She says, he says your faith will save you. What about her humility? Like she heard Jesus was there, a man who can forgive. Like she grabs the most expensive thing from her home. The thing that she probably was saving for for a very long time. She walks through judgment. She walks through shame, through all the labels and all the voices that are calling her stupid, that are calling her judge, that are calling her sinful, that are calling her this and that. All these labels and all these hallways that she's walking through that she just can't get over. But through that shame and through this is humility that she see that you see. Maybe her plan was to anoint his head, but as she walked up to him, Jesus says, "Man." Simon, you didn't even wash my feet, but this woman, she grabs, the, the, grabs Jesus' feet and she says, the most menial of tasks I will do because it is Jesus. She spends all her ointment on him, but Jesus doesn't say, your humility has saved you. She says, your faith has saved you. You can be humble all you want. You can give all you want. You can tithe all you want. You can pray all you want. You can jump up and down and speak in tongues all you want. But let me tell you this. If you and I do not have faith, God says, I am not pleased. I need to be pleased. And when I'm pleased, I am pleased with your exercising of faith. What about the man? Was it his eagerness? Was it his perseverance? Because as Jesus is passing by, he's blind. He's like, who is that? Who is that? And people are like, that's Jesus. And he's like, Jesus? Oh man, I've heard of him. And you know what he calls him? He says, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody shushes him. Shh, shh, quiet. Don't say that. The more people shush him, the louder he gets. He cries more. Till he gets audience, Jesus doesn't say your perseverance will save you. He says your faith will save you. Your faith has saved you. Was it his insight? He knew about Jesus, the son of David, the the coming Messiah, the one that that was promised. He knew that this guy has a special anointing on his life, but it wasn't his wisdom. It wasn't his insight that that Jesus said has saved you. He says your faith has saved you. I'm going to make a very bold statement right now. Jesus is moved by your faith. Look at somebody sitting next to you and say, Jesus is moved by your faith. But remember this. The object of faith is always God. Faith in God is, Mark 11 verse 22, always, Jesus says that too. Have faith in God. It's like, see, if we're not careful, we'll put our faith in things other than God. And my question is, what are the things that we put our faith in that trumps 
God today. There are some normal things that we put our faith in every single day. We don't think about it twice. Like before you came into the service today at home, you were not like thinking about the chair that you were about to sit on. Like, I hope all the screws are in place. I hope the wood doesn't cave in. I hope the... You didn't think about all that stuff. Like, yeah, before you said, when I said, everyone be seated, you were like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No, no one. <laughs> you just had the faith that when you sat, you weren't going to fall. Yes or no? Yes. That's like me, man. Like, 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 like I, am, I don't know anything about cars. Like, if you ask me about cars, I'll be like, ask John. Or ask Blessed. He knows about, I, I have no idea about cars. Somebody asked me the other day, Pastor, what do you think about this car? I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure it runs. <laughs> Not more than that. I know enough to go start my car. I know enough to drive it to the gas station when it says almost empty or empty, uh, go by faith, and then fill it up. I know that much, and now I know how to change my oil, all that stuff I know, right? That's important, right? Uh, apart from that, I know how to put, start the ignition. It comes on. I just have faith that the pistons are firing and uh, you know, the spark plugs are sparking and the oil is lubricating and I just have faith that all of this stuff is just happening the way it should. How many of y'all with me? Come on. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, you're ignorant. Thank you. I agree. They were both strangers in the faith, but they heard about Jesus and they said, I want to believe. It wasn't by their own performance. I don't know if it was because they were at the end of the road, they didn't have any more hope left, but they knew that if they put, did not put their faith in Jesus, they would not be anywhere. Here's the thing, we get into motions of good works sometimes, and if we're not careful, we'll let our faith ride on these good works rather than it riding on God and his faithfulness and his character and his love and his mercy and his grace. See, if it's a good works, you will be always be insecure and you'll always con constantly be striving to do better and better and better. Because if it's your love, if it's the way you love, you're going to love more and you want to love more. And when you don't love, you're like, man, I can't, uh, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a good enough. And Jesus is like, no, that's not it. It's because of him. It's because of grace. It's because of Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm going to fast forward. In Luke chapter 18, there were these two guys these two guys that Jesus talks about and he says there were two guys that went to pray. One person went to pray and he's like, Gee, Lord, I fast these many times a week. I give these money, this much money, Lord. I do all of this stuff, God. Listen to my prayers. And then there's this other guy that goes up to him, goes up to God and says, God, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. And God, Jesus is like, guess who God gets his answer? Hmm. See, the difference is one had faith in themselves and the other one had faith in God. When your faith is in work, man, when, when your faith is in your work and the things that you do and, and your own abilities and your own, uh, you know, capabilities, your reward is more work. I need you to understand this. But if your faith is in God, you will be satisfied in who God is in your life and you will not constantly be striving and wanting more and wanting to do more. Your trust and your faith is in God and you will say, God, as long as I have you, I have everything. I will put my trust in Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. But it should not take, take away from the fact that in Hebrews 11 it says, God is a rewarder of faith. We see these two stories of faith being rewarded. So my question today is, I'm gonna close with this, when is faith rewarded? When is faith rewarded? Be it Luke 7 or Mark 10, faith is rewarded, one, 
First point is this, write it down. When your eyes are fixed on Jesus. Your eyes, when your eyes are fixed, when, when their faith was fixed on Jesus, it was a pure, unadulterated faith. You know that girl? She didn't walk in and be like, oh, you're Peter? Come on, let me anoint you. Oh, you're John? Oh, you must be important. Like all of you guys, like y'all are the holy, holy group. Let me anoint all of you. Like whoever is here, come on, let me just anoint. No, no, no. Her eyes was, come on, somebody. The blind man did not cry to Jesus or other people who can help me. He said, he knew who he was calling. He said, son of David, not your helpers, not your assistants, none of that sort. He would not let till he got an appointment with the king himself. If you don't know this Jesus, I'm asking you today, fix your eyes on Jesus. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, your faith goes to the next level. Your faith is rewarded. Jesus likes it when your attention is on him. They had one motivation. As long as I can fix my eyes on Jesus, we know that breakthrough is there. We know that we're gonna get answers to prayer. I'm telling you today, don't just sit back and say, it's gonna happen when it happens. No, 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 no. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep calling his name. Keep knocking on that door. Keep asking in his name. Keep declaring in his name. When your eyes are fixed on the prize, let me tell you, there's nothing that can take you away from the love that Jesus has for you. There is reward when you and I walk in faith. You're rewarded when you fix your eyes on Jesus. When are you rewarded? The second one is this, when you know you're undeserving. Both of them, both of those people, both of their faith, both of their faith admitted that they were unworthy. She doesn't interrupt the conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees. The Bible says she goes behind them and stands waiting for an opportunity And she starts crying, and she falls at his feet. The man, he cries out in mercy. He says, have mercy on me. He doesn't qualify it. He doesn't tell God what he has to offer. He doesn't say, God, this is what I have. He just basically is honest and says, God, I just need you. And if you come, here's the thing. If you and me, if we go to the throne room of God with our own righteousness, we will never experience the fullness of God's grace, y'all. If we go with our own merit, we will never understand what God has in store for you. But when you and I can strip ourselves of all righteousness and go into the presence of God and say, God, I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm, I'm not worthy to even be here in your audience, but for your love, but for your mercy. Give him everything you have in the presence of God and say, in my unworthiness, I know that you make me worthy. And the third one, And the one that excites me the most, because this is me, it's been me all along in my life, is if I want a reward for my faith, I gotta tune out, and I gotta gotta overcome opposition. And I want you to believe me when I say this, there are a lot of people in your life that will, it, it could be the closest people next to you that will disbelieve, that will not wanna believe with you. That will think that you can't do it. That will think that you can't do your master's degree. That will think that you can't do your doctoral degree. That will think that you can't start, start that business. That will believe that you don't have it in you. Come on, am I talking to somebody? How many of you got haters? I got, I got a lot of haters. I got a bunch of them running around. I've always had them. 
But God has taught me how to thrive in the middle of haters because he looks at me and says, it's not them. They don't pay your bills. They're not the ones that drive you. They're not the ones that lead you to your destiny. I called you, and if I called you with a purpose, I have a plan, plans to prosper, plans, come on, somebody say amen. God's plans, not one person can relinquish. Look at this woman. She was calculating all the risks. She did every possible mathematical equation. She balanced all the risk and reward ratios, man, a hundred times over, and she was like, man, the reward is worth the risk. What was the risk? She was willing to risk it all. Why? Because it was a small village. It wasn't like Dallas, Fort Worth, Metroplex. They didn't have an airport. They didn't have cities. They didn't have to drive 40 minutes to get from one place to the other. Everybody knew everybody. And everybody knew this woman. She was a scandalous woman. The town was pretty small. Everybody probably knew her. She she was probably in multiple relationships with many men in the town. Eyes were glaring. Eyes were judging. People were scoffing. People were dismissing her. People were saying, "Hmm, there she comes again. And in the house of the Pharisee, the place that she should not be in, it took a lot of guts. It took a lot of boldness. It took a lot of faith to even step into it. But only a woman who, who has her eyes fixed on Jesus, doesn't care about the world around her. Her eyes are on Jesus because Jesus is the one that's going to instill that faith that drives her and rewards her for the faith that she's about to have. The Bible is filled with stories like this of people being filled with faith and and they know that they're going to be rewarded for that faith. Faith moves you from fear to boldness. What about the man? The man is shouting, son of David! Keep quiet, dude. What's wrong with you? Why you gotta be so obnoxious? Bro, I've tried it all. And I've heard about this Jesus and he's, I, I know he's gonna, he, I, I, I gotta call him out. You, you, you can dismiss me all you want. You can put me down all you want. You can disbelieve in me all you want. You can hush me all you want. But this man is not gonna stop screaming till I get an audience with Jesus. Come on, come on somebody. Am I talking to somebody here? Like somebody's, people are wondering why you worship the way you do. Why you raise up your hands the way you do. Why you jump up and down the way you do. Nobody knows your story but you. And when you come to the presence of God, you can say, God, but for you, but for your mercy, but for your grace. I wouldn't be where I am today. And God is looking for some people who can take steps of faith that says, I don't need to please anybody. Oh, come on, somebody. You'll have a lot of naysayers around you. But I want to tell you something, and I want to remind you the devil is a liar, and so is his mother-in-law. They overcame by exercising the faith against all odds. Woo! Some of us struggle with faith, man. I don't know if that's you, but that's me. I struggle with faith. For so many of us, faith is either diminishing or it's growing. I don't know what category you, you fall under, but oftentimes your faith diminishes because you don't exercise it too much. A person that's strong, I, I had a friend who met with a car accident and uh, for months, around six months, he didn't have any movement in his legs and he had to go through a lot of uh, therapy, physiotherapy and, and a lot of uh, rehabilitation to get back to where he had to be. And I still remember him. He lost all, like he used to work out, he was buff. And I still remember he lost all the muscle in his body because he, he, he couldn't do any activity. He couldn't even walk. 
And I saw his legs shrivel up as one of the most saddest things I've ever seen. And he had to go through rehabilitation because he had to learn how to walk again. Thing is, when you don't use muscles that you use normally, there's something called muscle memory. Happens to me every month when I go to play basketball with the boys. I'm like, I got this, I'm a dunk. Let's go. And I come back and Sonia's like, what happened? I told her I had an encounter with Jesus and he dislocated my hip. No, I'm just kidding. And you're wondering, what happened? You look, it looks like all your muscles gone. No, 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 your muscles are not gone. It's there. It's just diminished. Am I talking to somebody? Like the faith is there. You just have to grow it. The lack of exercise has caused that muscle to diminish. The other day, it's so funny. I was watching this um, this reel on Instagram, and, and it came up on my, it was, it, was this, it was something with CrossFit. It was CrossFit Games or something, and I think I was just trying to get inspiration, right? And I was like, I gotta get back in shape, let me watch some videos. Um, <laughs> so I was watching it, and there was this guy that was doing these pull-ups on this bar, and I was like, man, I wish I could do that. And there was a shot, it was like a cinematic shot, this highlight reel, and I was like, I'm super motivated by it. And Mickey comes running to me as I was watching this reel. Mickey comes running and she's like wanting to ask me a question, but she sees the video that I'm watching and she starts watching it with me. And I'm so engrossed in this, in this video and the, and the camera actually zooms into this man as he's doing his pull-ups and into his midsection, into his abdominal section and showing all his muscles. And Mickey looks at me and says, Dad, what's that on his stomach? I said, what are you talking about? She says, that tattoo. I was like, what tattoo? She's like, there's no tattoo whatsoever. She's like, that thing, those lines. Oh, I said, oh, baby, those, it's, called, it's called a six pack. <laughs> She's like, what's that? I was like, girl, you better stop asking questions right now. She's like, dad, do you have a six pack? I was like, I do, baby, I do, I do, I do. By faith, you, you need faith to see it. I have other packs that I don't want to name, but <laughs> it's there. It's just that I need to do some work to get to where I want to be. Like, you are expecting supernatural results. You're expecting people to stop by your life and watch your reel, but it's not happening and you're frustrated, but you haven't even achieved those results because you haven't, like, the difference between him and me is I have the same thing he does but I just sit and watch his videos. He puts in the work so that I can make him money by watching his videos. And as, as long as you and I don't exercise your faith, it will diminish and diminish and diminish. And you will go on with life watching other people's reels and hitting double like and hating on them. And, and secretly, you know, wishing that you had their life instead of you looking at your life and saying, I have this. I could do this. 
God has called me for this. And unless and until I put into motion, these things are not going to happen. Faith is there. It's either growing or diminishing. What category are you falling in? Because today God's like, man, I want to do some amazing things in your life. I want you to make, I want you to walk. I want you to see. I want you to achieve some things that you've never, I want you to start that business. I want, and, and you're sitting there and watching Grand Cardone videos and you're watching these, these, these videos that make you feel good and you're watching Rocky the Fourth for the 10th time thinking that you're going to become something and you're going to achieve something. God's like, no, get up and do something. And God's looking at some of us and saying, man, when's the last time you did something in faith? Can you stand up to your feet, please, everybody? It was faith, for both of them it was faith, but it looks so different. See, and that's the thing, a lot of people think faith has to be this, this you know, loud expression, this extra, and, and sometimes that's true. But it's amazing how both of them Jesus acknowledged, but they were so different as much as they were similar. They were different in expression. Hers was as quiet, tears falling, serving hands. I need him, I want him, was the cry of the man. Jesus, son of David, loud, obnoxious, praising, lifting up of hands, jumping up and down. It could be different expressions of faith. Some of it can be in the presence of God, just on your knees, on your, on your face, in the presence of God, saying, God, I just need a miracle and I'm gonna do whatever it takes. For her, her faith was an extravagant expression of faith where she, she got everything she had. And for some of us, it's that. For, for some of us, God's like, man, I want you to display an extravagant level of faith. For her, she took everything she had in her possessions and she gave. His faith, it begged. He had nothing to offer. He emptied his pockets and he's like, I have no offering, God. But I have an expression of praise and an expression of belief that will cry over the cry of anybody else. And because of that, you will notice me and that will show you that I have faith. She found the best thing that she had to give Jesus. He had zero. He had just cries and tears and screams. Your faith may look different. For some of them, for some of y'all, it's extraordinary generosity. Some others, it's extraordinary service. Some may give pain, others may give profit. And some may can only offer worship. You could come into the presence of God and just worship God. But I want to assure you that is an act of faith. When you come into the presence of God, surrender it all and say, I don't have anything left, God. I just don't. I've tried it my way and I've tried it the, the, you know, the, the way the world told me and I've watched all the YouTube videos and I've done everything they told me to do and God, I, this can't be done but you, God. No matter where you are in life, I want somebody to understand the importance of you and I walking in faith, exercising faith using every opportunity you can to walk and talk and exercise faith. I want to speak life over each one of you guys. As Jenny's going to lead us in a few moments of worship, I'm going to be available at the back if anybody needs to spend some time in prayer. Or feel free if y'all want to just come forward and, 
and worship up here at the altar. Feel free. I'm going to come back and I'm going to close out in a few moments. And if there's anybody that wants prayer, you could, you could come to the back. But here's what we're going to do. We're just going to spend a few moments in prayer. I'm going to be available for a little, few minutes at the back to pray for anybody that needs prayer. But I'll come back, I'll close out, and then I'll, I'll continue to be, be available if anybody needs to continue to pray. But as Jenny leads us in a moment of worship, can we have expectant faith? Here's, here's where I want to just, just, just bear with me for a second, right? Because a lot of people would diminish this message and say, Pastor, this, this, sounds, this sounds like heresy. This sounds like you're preaching some prosperity gospel. I didn't make it up. The Bible said God rewards faith. I didn't make it up. I read the word of God for you. A lot of people say, I just give to give. I don't want to be acknowledged. I don't need a receipt. I just give to give. I just serve to serve, Pastor. I don't need no acknowledgement. I just pray to pray, Pastor. There's not one passage in the Bible that says, Jesus said, pray to pray. It says, pray and it will be given. Pray in faith. Whatever you ask in my name, come on, am I talking to somebody? There's always reward attached to what he asks you to do. It's not prosperity gospel, it's the gospel. If you have a problem, take it up with the Holy Spirit. Not one passage in the scripture says, uh, you know, just give to give. No, no, no. The Bible is very clear when it says a man will sow what he reaps. Sorry, man will reap what he sows. I said that the wrong way. Like, let's get out of that mentality as Christians and believers. I just want to serve a serving God. I just want to give. Like, what if my daughter, my six-year-old daughter came up to me and said, Dad, I just don't want any food. I just want to be with you. That makes me happy, Dad. It's just, just it's my birthday, Dad. I don't want any gifts. You are the biggest gift. Like, yeah, right. It doesn't work that way. Like, I have, I, I find pleasure when I give extravagantly to my daughter, my daughter gives extravagantly back to me. There's joy in that. My God, my God finds so much of joy when he can give extravagantly to you and that's what the scriptures feel. He rewards faith. Someone say he rewards faith. And today, if you're not walking in victory and you're not walking in the freedom because everybody that Jesus looked at and said, you've been set free because of your faith. You have been set free. There is salvation that came to your house because of your faith. You have been saved because of your faith. You were tied, but now you are loose. You have been, there's freedom attached to faith. I don't know what freedom that you're not experiencing in your life, but try faith today because my God rewards faith. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.